0: come along then to another episode of tatum talks the official podcast of kelvin tatum himself and there's lots to review not least the uh, return of Speedway to the Principality Stadium in Cardiff in 2023. What a difference a year makes. Oh, admittedly, it was slightly more than a year since the last one. Um, but um, Speedway came back with a bang. Great racing, great entertainment and uh, really showing that an indoor track can deliver the results. On the night, it was a win for Martin Vastulic, who, uh, having crossed the finish line, came over and then kissed the finish line. He was uh, absolutely delighted with that win, Fortunately, though, it did come at a cost to uh, Ty Woffinden, and how that might damage Sheffield's chances in the uh, British leagues, of course. So uh, to look at that, first of all, Kelvin is with us. And uh, as I say, a successful evening. Lots of fans, really, those that were there, all saying what a fantastic time they had. Looking forward to next time. And it, it really feels that the British Grand Prix has got its mojo back.
1: Yeah, you, you're right. I think that the racing, the track, Fundamentally, I think we—you know—you can't overlook the fact that, you know, as many as much as you want to have a laser show, you know, all sorts of cameras and lights and stuff in the stadium. If the track's not right, then the racing isn't up to scratch, and people go home unhappy. Um, that's what happened last year. This year, we had a terrific racetrack. Uh, There was a test event on the Wednesday with um, a few races completed. There were glowing reports from that. Qualifying, which I witnessed, was you could see the confidence actually coming to riders after their first couple of runs. And as a consequence, Saturday night didn't disappoint. Um, You know, riders were able to race um, really hard and with no concern that something was going to catch them out. And I think that that royally entertained the crowd. You know, the crowds aren't quite back to where they were pre-COVID, but nonetheless, there was a terrific atmosphere in there. And as I say, it was, it was much more like the Cardiff we, we have known in the past and, and what we expect really from a, a, a Speedway Grand Prix in the Principality Stadium. So um, it, it gives us, I'm sure we're all reflecting on it and basking in that glow because it was very much needed and, and uh, they delivered.
0: Yeah, as you say, there was that test event and speaking to some of the riders that were involved in that on the Friday night who were uh, the, the the championship pairs in Oxford, Simon Lambert was one of those and he was saying it's the best track he's ridden in absolutely years. You know, it's uh, considering that it was put down over four days or so uh, for a track like... He was absolutely amazed that you could produce such great results and at that moment as well, he was the track record holder. He was uh, very keen to point out. I think that probably uh, has gone now, but uh, he's got that on his <laughs> (laughs) CV at least and it's staying there
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely and uh, the test track track record holder uh, a bit of a mouthful but nonetheless Simon I'm sure (laughs) is immensely proud of that he's uh, he's in great form actually Simon but he's uh, producing some stunning performances for his clubs but no he was excited about it and clearly he was waxing lyrical about uh, the uh, the event that they were involved in on the Wednesday. So, um, as I say, they got off to a fine start. Ollie Olsen and his team obviously reflected on what had happened in 22. They put it right. Um, whatever they did to the material, however they put it down, they, they got it right. It went down and it actually bound together. We didn't see the ruts. We didn't see the surface breaking up. So... Um, as a consequence, we got a proper Speedway meeting. I think in the Natadovi in Warsaw early in the season, it was pretty good there too, you know, and that was that was good. And I say, I think as a consequence, there'll be a lot more confidence about having temporary tracks and being able to put on a proper show. So uh, that was good news. Um, the Grand Prix itself, as I say, had a little bit of everything in, didn't it? You know, there was right from the first lap, of the very first race where Steve Worrell, the wild card, was in it. And I think he had a bit of a wake-up call where guys just literally forced their way through on the inside, the intensity of a Grand Prix, really. Um, you could see right from when the tapes went up in the very first race. So, yeah, it was, it was good to be there, really good to be there.
0: Yeah, fast and furious racing and, and the heat as well as the heat three where Woofie came from last to first. I mean, that was that was vintage Ty Woofenden at that point, wasn't it? And it's just a shame how, how it panned out later on in the meeting for him.
1: Yeah, I spoke to Ty before and Woofenden's been in better form lately since he came back to ride for Sheffield. He's been looking really sort of like he's sort of got his mojo back. He made the final in Riga. Uh, He was, that stunning ride in Heat 3, as you say, was just an indication. We haven't seen him do that for a while and it's really good to see that, that hunger, uh, the fire in his belly restored. Such a shame, such a shame later on in the night where it just went wrong for him and he got spat off the bike and has broken his hand. Um, That was a blow for him, obviously, individually and of course for the clubs that he represents as well. Um, I think all three clubs that he represents are involved in the playoffs, Vrottsváv in Sweden and, of course, the Tigers, which is a massive blow for them as we move towards the semi-finals. But um, I think it's just encouraging signs. And as I say, I think the only downer for me on the night, Ian, was the fact that we didn't get a British rider in the final. It looked like Dan Bewley was going to make it. Then he touched the tapes, which was a shame. Uh, then Robert Lambert looked like he was going to do the business, but then suddenly Bartosz Smarslik decided to turn on the style and he finished third. So, as I say, I probably... That was the only thing that that sort of took a little bit of gloss off of it in that regard. But, you know, nonetheless, I think there was, what, uh, four out of the top five in the final. Um, So it was top quality as we went to the tapes for the grand final. So... Um, you can't complain about that, and as I say, um, Martin Vashlik winning, he, you know, he said it was a dream come true, I'm sure it was. He's hes the consummate pro- professional these days, you know, he's been a bit of a slow burner, he's into his early 30s, already won in Prague, looking like he's going to get a medal. And he uh, he came out of gate three when nobody expected that and just did the business. So. Um, fair play to him
0: and at that point gate 3 had had not been the best had it it was all about gate 4 and perhaps a a bit of confusion when um, Robert Lambert chose gate 2 in in his heat as well there and and maybe just missed the the memo there because they'd shown the gate stats on the big screen I think and it was clear that that gate 4 was was performing the best, and maybe some of the other riders perhaps uh, saw that as an opportunity. But their uh, putting all those stats to bed was Vasily popping out of gate three, which had been rubbish all night, and uh, goes and wins the event.
1: I think Lambert went for gate two uh, because he'd won a couple of races from there late on in the evening, and he probably had good vibes. But as as you say, it's so unpredictable when you know the the stats were suggesting that four or one probably were the better choices but when you see it back I've seen it back and he just the bike absolutely leaps forward it jumps forward and then it's what every rider wants it then actually continues to accelerate hard to the first corner and he was able to dominate the first turn and in truth was never really um under pressure um to sort of be passed you know he had the pace out in front we've seen that from Vashlik before So, yeah, he he did the business there. As I say, for Lambert in the semi-final, I just think, you know, I know that Schmarslick was having a tough night and they literally just threw the kitchen sink at it for the semi-finals. And then he does what Schmarslick does. He breaks everybody's hearts by, you know, denying Lambert the opportunity to make the final. And then, of course, in the final itself, when he's had a really average night by his own high standards, he steals uh, third place away from Lingren. And extends his lead, you can 't quite make that up, can you? You know He goes away with a twenty four point lead so you know, in the end, for Smarslick, after not winning a race in his qualifying heat, um, he comes away you know um, uh, smelling the roses and probably almost certainly will clinch his fourth world championship uh, in voyne so um yeah, that was great, I think um. I, I, I just got a little bit frustrated with Dan Bewley. I, I sense that, you know, he's busy and he keeps saying that every race is just another race. And, you know, but I don't know. I don't know if I completely agree with that. I, I think Dan's a wonderful rider. He, he He's won three Grand Prix. He's won every time he's made the final. But that was just so frustrating. I think, obviously, for himself, it must have been hugely frustrating. But I think for everybody concerned, because... Smarslick wouldn't have made the final if he'd got points then or if Woffenden had stayed on, you know, and then it would have opened it up. But um, those are ifs and buts and maybes in hindsight. So, but uh, um, nonetheless, a brilliant event. I'm sure that people drove home. Well, I I met people actually on Sunday morning as I was trying to get my car out of the car park. And that's another story. Um, But um, (laughs) most, most people, most people were... Really, uh, really very excited about what they'd seen the night before.
0: So, um, Bartosz Schmarschek has a 24-point lead at the moment going into Voyans. He needs a lead of 21 or more to win the title. Um, So it's it's his to lose really uh, at this stage and looking at the top six standings, Smarschlik at the top on 138, Freddie Lindgren on 114 in second Martin Vasilik on the uh, bronze medal position right now on 105 points Jack Holder of course chasing him down in the final couple of rounds, he's on 97, 87 for Jason Doyle in fifth, Dan Bewley in sixth on 86 points, Robert Lambert right down his neck as well though on 83 just behind, Robert Lambert though, um, finishing as a, a close runner-up in the GP Challenge, Kelvin, and we'll just cover that now because really finishing seventh for Robert Lambert with the uh, positions as they are, with with the other uh, riders such as Jason Doyle already qualifying through the challenge, he's already in the top six. So that next spot would go down to the the other challenges that uh, finished out of the qualifying places um, when it when it actually did happen. So uh, Robert Lambert would qualify almost certainly. Uh, well, he would he would qualify certainly because he'd get basically Jason Doyle's. Um, GP challenge sport wouldn't he so that's looking good for the for the British guys for next year Ty Woffenden maybe hoping for a for a wild card
1: yeah I, I think that um, just quickly I'd like to say that um, Jack Holder did a miraculous job in the British Grand Prix I think uh, we haven't mentioned him and I think because of his injury and the way he came back that was an outstanding performance for him to finish second and I think uh, it's easy to overlook that but uh, the way he battled through was was extraordinary. Regarding the challenge, yeah, there are lots of permutations. Of course, it's looking like Vasilik and Doyle are going to qualify quite comfortably in the top six. Lambert charging towards that. Then, of course, you've got issues then. The knock-on effect of that is quite significant. Lambert will... I think Lambert will make the top six, but irrespective of if he wasn't to do so, he's going to anyway become a Grand Prix rider as a consequence of Vasilik and Doyle. But if Lambert does make the top six, and as well as the other two, then you're going to have riders that qualify. Jan Kovec will come in, the Czech Republic rider. You've got Wozniak that will be effectively promoted as the winner. You're going to have Kovec And then you're going to have possibly, down in sixth place lurking there, is uh, Przemek Pavliki, uh, and that will mean there will be two qualifiers from Poland in the challenge. And there are three Grand Prix riders from Poland already in Ian. And the two of those in Janowski and Dudek will be outside the top six. So there in lies an issue for the FIM and the organisers. Because I can't imagine that you're going to have five Polish riders. I can't believe they give two wild cards to Dudek and Janowski. So some, so there'll be some head-scratching there and some soul-searching because both Janowski and Dudek have been pretty disappointing this year.
0: After Torren, I guess we'll find out more details about what's going to be happening next year overall in uh, in the Grand Prix series and perhaps in, in Speedway in general. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, certainly as far as wild cards yeah. and, and things like that go, what what's your hunch? Who do you think's being maybe considered at the minute potentially or, or maybe has a chance or has put themselves in the frame?
1: Well, in previous seasons, we've seen them actually just go for 7, 8, 9, 10, haven't we? You know, um, because there haven't been obvious choices outside. And when, you know, with the qualifying system, you had Kim Nielsen qualifying on right through the challenge last year. I think that does tend to throw a spanner in the works. There seems to be quite a lot of momentum and talk about Luke Becker trying to get an American in the series. Whether he's ready to do that or not, I'm not entirely sure um uh riders outside the grand prix that are really yankovic you know like he's only just outside he's only just come out of the under 21 ranks now whether he would be competitive at grand prix level i'm not really sure actually ian i think that he will find it really tough in 24 but he has every chance of being a grand prix rider um does that make the grand prix lineup stronger not necessarily. But right now we have got this sort of gap in from riders that were that right at the top of the league, at the top of the championship, and riders coming in. Um what you don't want to see, you don't want riders to come in and have particularly a young rider to come in and then, and then having like a torturous season where they just can't get points and basically they just going through the motions because mentally it's just destroying them. We've seen that in the past. So um, I hope that's not the case. But I suggest that people like Wolfenden will get a, uh, a wild card. I think Yanofsky is one that they will look very seriously at to try. And, he's very popular. Um, what he did in the World Cup might be enough. Might be enough. But I see major question marks over people like Mikkel Mikkelsen, Anders Thompson... Oh, Leon Madsen, you know, like all three Danes not going great at the moment. So, FIM will want to blend, won't they? They will want to have plenty of nationalities uh, uh, represented. So, it's a really tough call. I, I think Leon Madsen will get one as a consequence of being world number two on two occasions. Um, but after that, Ian, it's really tough call. I, I, I don't envy those, those wild cards. Um Nobody's mentioning the Russians. Whether Saifutinov and Laguta would get them, I doubt it very much. Indeed, whether they get the opportunity to requalify, maybe that's something that might happen. But regarding the lineup for next year, it's—I uh, it, it, tell you what—the FIM and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery have got that's, That could be quite a long meeting. That one to actually nail down exactly who comes in.
0: I did an, another interview with Phil Morris a couple of weeks ago uh, and asked him the question about the Russian riders, uh, particularly Sivutinov, of course, who's been on great form um, in, for all of his clubs, in fact. But certainly, you know, in the British uh, the British ranks, and the thinking there was very much that um, no no change uh, so far, and they're probably going to wait until the IOC or FIFA or, or another international sporting body makes a move. On the um, on the Russian situation, yes, some sports have already allowed them in, like tennis, for example. But I think it's it, they're, they're really aligning with with the IOC at the minute, and um, certainly as it stands, it was uh, it was a straight we're uh, n- n- nowhere near close to, to to them being considered at this moment in time.
1: Yeah, and that, that's really tough on them when both of them are such top quality riders, you know. And will will we not see the best of them? Certainly. We have seen the very best of Emil Sajfutinov riding for the Ipswich Witches this year. He's also been terrific for Torin as well in the extra in Poland. And I don't think that Emil Sajfutinov has ever ridden better. Uh, Artem Liguta has come into the UK. He's been a little bit hit and miss. Has been a bit of a topsy-turvy ride he's had. With He's had a couple of clubs now. But um, nonetheless, he's still been doing a decent job for uh, Wrocław in the extra-league as well. So... That would definitely help the Grand Prix lineup of, uh, as, a, uh, as regards to somebody to take it to Smarzlik, because that's that's my argument that we need somebody to step up and really have a go at him, because nobody's doing that at the moment. You know, there are guys that can win Grand Prixs like Martin Vashlik and uh, one or two others, but bottom line is, Ian, that is that nobody does it consistently. And there was only those two guys, obviously Artem Laguta managed to do it in 2021. Uh, Emil Saifutinov looks like a revitalized guy, hungry for everything he can get. So um, it is a great shame that we've had this conflict in the Ukraine because it seems to have, we may just miss the best of those two guys. And we've got to hope and keep our fingers crossed that we see some real top, you know, top quality talent Jack Holder is certainly one that looks like he may be able to bring it to him. He's growing in stature, growing in confidence all the time. Uh, He might be one for the future for Australia.
0: Looking at the other riders who... Well, I don't want to say necessarily just missed out um, from the challenge, but uh, Andre Levedev's was was the other rider. He finished on nine points. Robert Lambert had 10. Uh, Luke Becker finished on nine. And then be- behind them, it was uh, Jakob Torsell on seven, Dimitri Berge on six. So those were the other the other runners up, really, in, in, in contention, I suppose, bar a couple of points. And I'm... Um, Pavliki, of course you mentioned there but I ignored him because we're talking about you know non- Polish riders that, that might be considered, but Lebedev, I suppose with his you know being the first reserve this year he's he's, he's put himself on the map a little bit hasn't he, he has uh, he's mixed things up a bit. I'm not sure he's going to take it to Bartosz Schmarslick, yeah. but he's, he's shown that he's competent at this level. yeah,
1: and, and he speaks very well. he's very humble when he comes on for an interview uh, he he's, seems a really likable character. Um, there's now a Grand Prix in Riga again. That seems to be on the calendar. We'll wait and see what uh, is confirmed for 24. But you know there may be some, you know, a possibility that he might get a look in. Um, if the problem I have, and this is a problem that the FIM have, and so and Discovery in particular, is that if you overlook a rider that actually qualifies or has the right, the right to qualify um, you know, by overlooking them. If Lebedev's missed out and say for example, Luke Becker got put in, uh, that, that's quite controversial, isn't it? You know, they're going to have to then, there'll be a huge backlash to that. Um, you know, if you're gonna have an American rider that gets promoted after finishing eighth in the challenge, then there's going to have to be a backdrop to that. I would suggest there has to be some sort of announcement that we are going to America. Um, but right now for Lebedevs, he's a guy that's had a nice little run on it because of the injuries to other riders, to Thompson and Holder. Um, he, I, I think he, I think for his, he could, he should have made the semi-final in uh, Melilla, but he touched the tapes. Didn't quite do it in Cardiff. Um He's going to get another run because obviously Thompson's probably going to be out for the remainder of the season. So if he can do something spectacular, you know, make a final or something like that in the last two rounds, then who knows, he may well be looked upon favourably. But as I say, this is quite a a muddled picture. It really is. Um, And I do know that the FIM are trying to look at it and not necessarily just go for eight well, 7, 8, 9, 10 in the championship standings. I think they are looking to mix it up a bit. So um, it will be interesting to see which way they go.
0: So on to Voyens then. Um, and this is not too far away now, is it? It's um, a week on Saturday at the time of recording this. Um, and yeah. uh, September 16th the date um, there's also the SGP2 to be wrapped up as well I think in volumes as, as well yeah the it?
1: third round final round on the Friday evening for the under 21s the SGP2 uh, Matthew Shinyak, looking almost certain to pick up his um, second world championship uh, he's leading the championship comfortably he's the best rider um, I think it will be his final outing as an under 21 competitor um, and I fully expect him to go on and do the business there. Um, as I say, it's been pretty good, actually, SGP2. Um, I felt for them a little bit last year because, you know, Prague was difficult for them because the weather was awful. And then, of course, last year on the Sunday after in, uh, in the Cardiff, the track was appalling. Uh, and they had to call it after 20 heats. But so far this year, they've had good racing conditions. In actual fact, in Gorjoff, I mean, the track was sensational. They were breaking track records left, right and centre. But Voyans, if the weather behaves uh, in a week and a half's time, I'm sure that uh, they'll put on a cracking show. And as I say, I fully expect him to to clinch, clinch his World Championship.
0: It will be good to see SGP two back at Cardiff, I think, in you know next year if if that's possible. Um, just because you've got so many people in the area who who stay over, who probably you know want something to do on that following day, you know that Sunday. I know that you've got the Polish situation to manage, but I think I know the track was a mess last year, but I think the event itself, the idea was was really good to sort of maximise the the time there in in the town because it is everybody is fairly close together really on on you know mostly at least.
1: Yeah, I can see. I can see that point of view. Um, I think it's it's certainly a very temp- it's a big temptation, and of course they were brave enough to try it last year. But my my reservation there is that it is a temporary track, and it's a lot to ask even of a permanent track for so much track action because they all have to have practice as well. So you know, it's going to be one of those situations where um, you are asking that temporary surface a lot. I do think actually this year we would have been fine. And if they can reproduce that, then uh, a meeting maybe on Sunday lunchtime for people to enjoy after off the back when they're getting over their hangovers um, to uh, to watch could well be, could work a treat, as you say, because everybody's down there. But um, as I say, we'll wait and see on that one. We'll, um, we'll see. But uh, um, yeah, Voyen's coming up. SGP 2 on the Friday, Round 9 of the Senior Grand Prix Series. Well, I fully expect uh, Bartosz Marslik to win it. When he'll win it, I don't know. But as you say, said earlier, 21 points. If he's 21 points ahead, then he is world champion for the fourth time. Um, it's tough because Freddie lingwin has got to win it. And... Uh, Bartosz Marzlik can afford to finish. I don't know. He can afford. He can. He can afford to still miss the semi-finals and still be in with a healthy lead going into the last round. But he's going to have to slip up badly, badly for it to be real jeopardy going into Torren. You know, I could see it almost like he needs to maybe get two or three points in Torren, maybe to clinch his fourth world championship. But a, a sense that. Um, Freddie Freddy, Freddy will have to just keep it simple for him. He's just got to win every race he goes into to just put as much pressure on Barcelona league as possible.
0: I think... I know that going into to Cardiff, it was a case that um, Freddie had to... Um Freddie had to get less than two points, and Bartosz Smarzlik had to win it. And I think it's probably sort of the opposite way round now, um, going into Vojens for for, for to throw it away. So it's going to require, unless Freddie wins it, and and gets less than four points. I think that's that's it. So if, if Freddie f- doesn't finish first in every race, uh, or, or fails to make the you know wins the the final, then. Um, it's it's gonna be difficult for him really.
1: Yeah, and, and as I say, it's it's fully deserved by Bartosz Marslit because he's won four Grand Prix and he's been remarkably consistent. He's only missed one final all year. You know, even uh, you know, when you reflect on Cardiff, you know, he didn't win a race and then he crept into the semi-finals and then finished third on the evening. He is capable of doing that. He did something similar in Prague where he wasn't at his best and he passed Robert Lambert to make the final so he has this determination and sort of, you know, hunger to make sure that he doesn't slip up. And as I say, his worst performances, are, he still picks up 12 points. Whereas, you know, other riders, unfortunately, have gone away with two or three at times. And, you know, that, that relentless pressure that he maintains and consistency he maintains is what it's all about. You know, that's, you know, that's why that 21 championship between himself and Laguta was just so outstanding because they both won five Grand Prix and it went right down to the wire. Uh, and there was somebody there that, that had the capabilities to match him. Um, and that, that is a concern moving forward because Bartosz Malzik shows no sign of letting up, does he? he, he every time... He, I, well, I, I was lucky enough to actually sit with him at breakfast on Saturday morning in the hotel. And he just said to me, he said to me, I just love winning. <laughs> he loves it. And you know right now he shows he doesn't look like he's fallen out of love with winning
0: <laughs> no 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 he's, uh, he's he's certainly not letting uh, letting up uh, any anything at all um it would be great to see you know we, we we've seen these, you know, big riders coming back to British Speedway. I mean, obviously, he is the very, very best, and it's probably unlikely we're going to see him. But we are seeing riders now beginning to take British Speedway a little more seriously. It would be a pipe dream, wouldn't it? But to see a rider like that racing in in the British League one day would be the ultimate aim. And what a what a draw he would be! Can you imagine if you signed him for uh, for the, even even just for the playoffs or whatever? It would be a, an amazing. Uh, feats and, and an amazing attraction to see somebody like that flying around Leicester. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it would indeed. Um, and there's no question that he would put uh, the place to be sold out. You know, it would be the it would be quite extraordinary. And who's to say, you know, he, he may consider it. You know, maybe he would drop Sweden and decide to ride in the UK. Who knows? Um, because, um, he did have a British career. I think it was about two races at Birmingham back in the day. Um, but he, he, he might just look at it and think, well, you know, you've got several of the guys riding there. There are glowing reports. He's probably, he's pretty sharp kiddy, you know. He knows what's going on and he'll know that he'll be more than aware of how Syfutinov's been riding. And, you know, there's Max Frick, there's Jason Doyle, Wolfenden comes back. You know, I think that all of a sudden you know, if a team could afford him, and I think that would be a stumbling block, but if a team could afford him, it would be fabulous. But irrespective of that, Ian, I think the point you bring up, the general point you pick up, is really a positive for British Speedway, because there is no question that it was frowned upon by riders and such, um, not that long ago, and then suddenly there seems to be a completely different attitude to it, and riders are just beginning to drift back a little bit. and uh, long may that continue. I'd like to see one or two more kicking about next year. But um, uh, Bartosz Smarslik, where would he ride? Would it be uh, a Leicester Lion or a Sheffield Tiger? Who knows, or a Bellevue Ace? Oh, I don't know. But uh, it would be pretty special, wouldn't it?
0: it certainly would it would be amazing and we actually had an interview on the, the um, British Speedway podcast with Robert Lambert which was pretty interesting actually he was being asked about his future now um, you know the season's coming to an end and he's, he's put some good scores away for Kings Lynn. would he consider coming back to his, his former club And and he said well I would but I'm in a long term contract in Sweden it's two years long I've got another year to run on that but I am going to have a conversation with them about it so it seemed that there might be potentially um, certainly it. It sort of eluded that that Robert Lambert, if he had his choice, he would be riding back at Kings Lynn again, and seems to have fallen back in love with it. But he's he's on longer deals in Europe at the minute, and it might it might not be quite so straightforward. But again, positive vibes though there.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and Robert Lambert has done. You know, Kings Lynn have had a, diff- a difficult season, as we are much aware of. Uh, but even in a, in, a, in a struggling team, Robert Lambert has come in and performed terrifically well. He's produced some stunning performances. And, you know, it probably having had some time away and then coming back to it, it probably you sort of reflect on it and think, oh, actually, I really quite enjoy riding here. I think also one of the things that I've picked up on is what Ty Wolfenden has said more than once in the fact that, you know, it's just a little bit less intense riding in the UK. And these guys are actually being able to enjoy their racing a little bit more. Yes, there's pressure on them. They get hit for heat 15 team manager asking them for an extra ride here and there. But compared to what they're encountering in the extra Liga in Poland, I think it's just, you know, which is just like do or die every night they race. I think that that they are enjoying it, and they and I think that's something that maybe they're missing um, maybe the re, the rewards are clearly better uh, in Poland but uh, at the end of the day to be able to win some races and to be part of your team and to really enjoy yourself, I've seen a smile come is on the face of Ty woen no question about it, and I think that um, Robert Lambert has probably been experiencing something similar so. I think that that in itself is quite a draw for some of the top guys just to get back to what they love doing without too much pressure all the time. I think somebody like Matsa Janowski personally uh, would absolutely benefit for a season in the UK. I really do. I see a guy that's weighed down with the pressures of not performing in the Grand Prix. He only rides in the pressure cooker of the extra league he rides in Sweden as well but he was really good when he rode in the UK before and maybe a change of scene and a change of circumstance might just reinvigorate him so you know um, who knows we'll see we'll see what happens
0: no that that would definitely be a good shout Um, uh, Phil Morris when I was speaking to him he was saying that Ty Wolfenden came up to him and said that you know, it it feels like British Speedway's cool again. That was Ty Woofnan saying that and he's like sub zero cool in, in in cool stakes. I mean aside yourself, of course. He knows what he's Thank on you. about. Um but he was saying, you know, it seems to it seem it's it seems to have a bit of uh you know, it, it, I don't know. Well, if Ty Woffenden's saying that, then it must be. You know, and and more professional. It's looking good. It's more. It's better presented than it was. The tracks are better. Everybody's got team suits. You know, all that kind of stuff. And 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 Wolfie was like really raving about it to Phil Morris. I think it was only last week or the week before at one of the uh, one of the Eurosport meetings that that you did. So, um, you know, that that is a vote of confidence from Ty, who has not held back on his criticism in the past.
1: Yeah, it's a complete a U-turn in attitude towards British Speedway, which is refreshing to hear. It was disappointing to hear initially, obviously, when he he said he wouldn't ride here again. But then, you know, I I know that meeting, we were at Peterborough, and he had a brand-new set of Kevlar's on in the Sheffield Colours. He was really excited about them. I said, I didn't recognise you in those Kevlar's. He said, yeah, they're really cool, aren't they? And I think he's just got, he had a real positive vibe about it right from the get-go. And it's quite likely that a conversation you mentioned with Phil Morris happened that evening. I think the efforts that uh, the association have done with pulling uh, Phil Morris into line just to sort of just sharpen up the, the, the meetings, to, as you say, to make them look a little bit better, to make them run a bit smoother. I think... I think, I think next year we'll see that kick on again, actually. I'd like to think so, because obviously this is the first year that it's been implemented. But yeah, and of course, riders like Ty, who is viewed as a cool guy, as, a, as somebody who is a bit of a trendsetter, for him to go back into the continent, talking to his teammates out there, saying he's really enjoying it, that will resonate. That will definitely resonate.
0: Yeah, no, it's all good, and and looking at where we're at now, we're um, well, we know three of the four teams heading into the playoffs in in the premiership at the time of recording this and uh, maybe 24 hours from now at the time of recording this uh, Leicester will be the team joining them they're certainly odds on favorites they have still got a job to do though Leicester to secure their place they're going to be leaving it to the very last meeting of the season to secure it and they must be a little frustrated at that because they were going great up to a certain point they made these big team changes you can't say that it, it, it... I mean, even Stuart Dixon, in his own words, will accept that maybe he got one or two of those wrong. Um, and if he had his time again, he might he might not drop certain riders um, and, and send them off to, to other teams. But um, hopefully, that from their point of view, they, they can still make it through. And if they do, obviously, that'll be a big change in fortunes from how Leicester performed in their last time at the top level of British Speedway?
1: Well, I think their fortunes began began to turn when we actually witnessed Ipswich beat them. They were on an eight-match winning streak and they got beat that night. And then from that point on, um, they went into a bit of a downward spiral and they had some poor results. Changes were made. They haven't really worked. But they've had to sort of hang on because Ipswich were coming on strong as well. So it's been quite exciting that... Watching that develop, Uh, Ipswich have maintained um, a great winning run of form and Leicester weren't. They were losing left, right and centre with different riders. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are in the driving seat, as you rightly say. They go to Peterborough on Thursday, tomorrow, tomorrow, because we're Wednesday at the moment. So tomorrow night, they've got a 24-point lead on aggregate. They should do it, but Peterborough are going good now. You know, they have got a team that all of a sudden would make the top four if they'd had that at the beginning of the season. That would be quite a tasty-looking uh, outfit at uh, the East of England arena. So, um, and I'm hearing um, that, you know, there might well be without Rishi Worrell tomorrow night, so that potentially throws a bit of a spanner in the works. But nonetheless, they, they will want to do that. Ipswich will be sitting there thinking, you know, please slip up. But, um, you know, that meeting, I think on Monday where they were able to draw with Wolverhampton. That was a tremendous effort. Admittedly, Wolves didn't have anything to race for because they're done, they're in. But nonetheless, Wolves is not an easy place to go to and uh, they picked up the points. So um, they've given themselves uh, uh, every chance, but it it won't be easy at Peterborough because they've got a team that are going great guns. Basso goes good. They've got the young Ben Cook going good. And of course, Chris Harris, Well, I doubt he's going to do him any favours having been released and now all of a sudden he's coming up against his his former team. So that dynamic in itself is worth one to keep an eye on and he's been scoring plenty of points lately. So... uh, um, an interesting meeting tomorrow night for sure. That
0: that could be the twist, couldn't it? Imagine if if Chris Harris is the one to to put Leicester <laughs> out. It would be an amazing story, and that would of course mean that Ipswich would be in on uh, on points scored, uh, but level on points, points scored. Leicester need yeah. the aggregate bonus point at least, and you know for Ipswich they must be wishing that they'd, they'd started the season like they've they've sort of ended it. Really, they got Eric Riss back. Been firing on all cylinders. Of course, Doyle and Saifutinov have been flying all the time, but there is still a chance of silverware for them because they're up against Sheffield next week in the final of the Premiership Knockout Cup, home and away um, at Sheffield Monday, Ipswich on Thursday. So silverware could yet be heading to Foxall or Olerton, um before they get into uh, the playoffs. But looking at the playoffs themselves, Bellevue now confirmed as as finishing top of the table. That means that likely they will face. Leicester slash Ipswich uh, going into things, and then uh, it's going to be Wolves and Sheffield battling it out. Um, I know I, I got a message from um, Chris Adams, Pete Adams' son, earlier today, and and he was talking about how fantastic it would be. You know, they aren't going to be going out at uh, the end of this season, but what a fantastic way for for all concerned to uh, to finish off the era, present era at least, with Wolves for CVS for Pete Adams for for uh, for everyone. To uh, to try and um, and bring home that silverware to to round things off.
1: Yeah, that will be uh, really an emotional moment for them, wouldn't it? And it would be quite apt that they could go out on a winning note. Um, they weren't able to do it last year. They made the semi-finals and just didn't turn up actually in the second leg of the semi-finals against the Sheffield Tigers. It's looking like that that's going to be the the second semi-final, um, and the Sheffield Tigers have had that huge blow with losing Woffinden, so. The Wolves are in the driving seat there. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody wants to race Ipswich right now. Um, I think you know if Ipswich do make fourth place then Bellevue will have to go there, um, which we'll see. That will be the first semi-final or we're going to to Leicester. Bellevue have been fabulous again, really. I, I thought they may be slightly weaker this year, but I think the form of Jamin Lidsey has been outstanding. Brady Kurtz has been terrific. Uh, Dan Bewley has been okay, I would say. I don't think he's had an outstanding season, but I think on the big occasion, you know you're going to get results from him. And then you've got the likes of Charles Wright that's always giving his very best. So um, they've done great to top the league. But to be honest, it's a really, it's it's an exciting playoff picture that's beginning to emerge. Um, But there are so many scenarios. Obviously, the Chris Harris one against Leicester tomorrow night is quite is quite interesting to keep an eye on. But if Ipswich were to make it and then you got them coming and they won the league, I mean, my goodness gracious me, that would be quite a turnaround. And of course, then you've got the emotional story of, of Wolverhampton, who unfortunately have got to leave their stadium at the end of the season. If they could round that off with a league title, that would be quite special indeed. So um, so many stories for us to look forward to in the upcoming rate, weeks. And as I say, I think... The conclusion to this season on the domestic front in the UK could be pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah, certainly could. Um, The time of recording this, we're heading into the the final week of, of fixtures, the cut-off date coming for both leagues. Um, the um, Premiership and the Championship as well so there's lots to be decided with the playoffs just around the corner now and uh, all of the playoff matches are going to be live on, on Eurosports, so you've got a busy few weeks yourself coming up Kelv?
1: We have yes obviously you get two a week um, we've got Voyens coming up, we've got nothing next week because the playoffs will push back a week uh, and then we've got off to, to Denmark for the double header there and then fly back in straight to Bellevue then on to the 21st for the second leg. Um, then there's a free weekend, no Grand Prix, then two, the second semi-finals on the lead up to the final round of the World Championship in Torren. And of course, straight back from, from Poland. And then we've got the the, um, the finals on the 2nd and the 5th of October, as I look at my calendar, just to make sure. But uh, no, that will be, you know, obviously flat out, uh, but hugely exciting and and should be... You know, if the weather behaves, um, I know we're having a heatwave right now. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You know, we've had the one of the wetter summers. We, July and August were just pants, and now all of a sudden, as the children have gone back to school, it's red hot outside. I'm sure there are parents just pulling their hair out. You know, they can't believe it. But, um, yeah, let's hope that uh, we get it all done and dusted. But... Um, it'll be I think it'll be compulsive viewing I'm sure it will be
0: yeah you've got me next week doing um, with BSN uh, doing the um, Premiership Knockout Cup Final that's on BSN next week on uh, Monday night at Allerton, and then the return okay. second leg uh, on the Thursday night next Thursday which is the 14th uh, 14th um, at Foxhall for the return back at Ipswich yeah
1: it is the
0: 14th yeah ok well look we'll catch up probably at the end of the season, I imagine. And don't forget to check out our previous episodes of Tatum Talks. There's all sorts in there. The most recent one was with Steve Worrell as he was building up to represent um, both um, his clubs, uh, the Pool Pirates and the Wolverhampton Wolves and, of course, Great Britain in general in the British Grand Prix. Uh, You can hear his thoughts on how his season's gone. I know that the Grand Prix has gone now, but you can certainly hear uh, from Steve Worrell in a previous episode. And we've also got previous episodes uh, with the likes of Scott Nicholls and indeed Dan Bewley as well, going right back to the very start of our series a year ago now. And we'll be back with another episode of Tatum Talks very soon.